Corner Podcast, Yankee Weekly Recap Edition. William Locke alongside, well, actually alongside nobody. Um, unfortunately, I was I was planning on having uh, my good friend and fellow Yankee fan um, from high school. I'm not going to give away his name just so I can have it keep it somewhat of a surprise for next week when he eventually does come on. Um, but I was going to have a good friend on, um, fellow Yankee fan, like I said, to you know talk about the Yankees, the Field of Dreams game, um, and just the week that we just had. Um, but unfortunately, I did lose power. I guess it was Wednesday night, uh, maybe late Wednesday night, early Thursday morning. There was a huge storm in the Detroit area. Obviously, I'm in Ann Arbor, so western Detroit for me. Um, and apparently, there were some heavy winds, and uh, tree got knocked over and knocked over some power lines. And I have been without power since, um, yeah, since around Thursday morning, early Thursday morning. Um, and there were around like 700,000 people that have been without power in the Detroit area. I think that number's gone down significantly. I believe um, DTE, the energy provider um, for Detroit, is claiming that it's there's like by Sunday night it'll be 95% people restored uh, will have their power restored. Obviously, I'm not one of those one of those people. Um, they, it really the only work they've done since Thursday is take the tree out of the way. The power lines still look totally destroyed. There, there's wires hanging everywhere. Um, there's been a few crews um, come through and check things out from what I've seen, but I haven't seen anyone actually working on anything. Um, and they're not out there right now Right now, as I speak to you at 6 o'clock on Sunday. So have been without power for, I guess, four days now. Um, not able to bring my friend on this week because um, obviously I don't have Wi-Fi and we were going to do it over Zoom. But don't have access to Wi-Fi, so I'm just going to record this myself and then like go to a Starbucks or something um, to upload it. Um, but have been able to watch the Yankee games on my phone, thanks to MLB TV, um, both like in my car and in the apartment. Um, kind of gets hot in the apartment every once in a while, so I go out in the car. Um, so I have been able to watch, even if it was on a super small screen. Um, I've been able to you know, keep track with everything that's going on. Um, take some notes, and obviously, I think there's really no what, no better place to start than the Field of Dreams game um, that happened on Thursday. And you know, the MLB gets a lot of flack, um, specifically Rob Manfred, um, just for the way they've handled, I guess you could say, the marketing of the game over the past. I would say, like, as long as I can remember, as long as I've been an avid baseball fan, so like, I'm 23, so probably 15 years or so. Um, I, I, I would say I started following the league pretty closely in like 2005 or so when I was living in Connecticut, started collecting a lot of baseball cards and going to Yankee games and stuff ever since. And obviously that was, um, Bud Selig when he was still the commissioner, they've always struggled to keep up with football and basketball. Um, in terms of a marketing perspective, like the football and, and specifically basketball do a great job of marketing their players, um, versus the team. So, you know, a lot of fans watch specifically for the players and you've, you've seen like that MLB really push for that over the past couple of years with uh, marketing like Acuna and Tatis. They're, they're clearly trying to make those guys the, the, the face of the game right now. And it works to a certain extent, but I just think that baseball is, it's always going to be really popular in the, in the markets that the teams are um, located like St. Louis, for example, baseball is huge in St. Louis. But it's always it's it's going to struggle nationwide. Like it, it just doesn't get the the view the viewership compared to a football or a basketball. Um, 
So they have to do things like this Field of Dreams game to garner that that attention. And I think this Field of Dreams game was a huge, just a huge win for the MLB as a whole. Um, I think I, I heard on one of the Yes broadcasts this weekend that the Field of Dreams game was the highest viewed regular season game on Fox in like 20 years or something. Um, so very impressive there in terms of viewership. They're getting that national attention and I do think it's something that they should do every year moving forward. And I do believe that the MLB announced that it will be coming back next year um, for the Field of Dreams game. I thought it was awesome. The field was just gorgeous. The field was so beautiful. Just in the middle of, I mean, it really gave you that Field of Dreams feel. It felt just like the movie um, Field in the Middle of a Cornfield. Um, the old timey uniforms were awesome, um, especially the White Sox. I, I don't know if those are the Black Sox uniforms that they wore in 1919 because I haven't seen the movie in a while, I will admit, but I think that's what the movie was based off of. Um, don't quote me if don't quote me if I'm wrong. I could be wrong there. But yeah, and obviously the Yankees um, have had the same uniforms forever, so they not really many retro uniforms they can go with, but they had some slight tweaks to make them to give them an old timey feel, and I thought they looked really clean too, um, especially the hats, the thicker NY. Um, I thought that was pretty sweet. Um, the beginning, obviously, when the players were walk- walking out of the cornfield, that gave me goosebumps. Um, that was that was sweet, just like the movie. Um, Kevin Costner, like hanging out in the outfield for two minutes, really kind of just walking around, and I don't know, ah, look at me, it was a little odd. Um, they could have cut cut like a minute off of that. Like I understand he was the star of the movie, but it it's not like this movie was freaking I don't know, The Godfather or Forrest Gump. Like it wasn't a iconic cinematic history movie movie um it was a great sports movie but um not like the best movie i've ever seen in my life it was a great baseball movie one of the best baseball movies there is but yeah it could have cut down a little bit on the kevin costner time in my opinion um i thought the fox scoreboard that they had um was really cool it looked like the scoreboard they had out in left field that was really cool um i keep saying it looked really cool but it did um it gave you that old school feel um, they really did a great job of making it feel like it was a movie and they really were just out playing baseball in the middle of nowhere. I thought also when it, when it got dark out, um, and the lights were on and it was literally just the field. And when they showed the aerial shots, all you could see was the field and the, everything around it was just pitch black. Um, that was sweet. I, I, I was, I was kind of wondering like there, it going off that, like there were no lights, um, outside the field so like how did people see anything going to their cars um in the parking lot and apparently it was a it was a pretty decent walk out to the parking lot as well so that was just the thought that crossed my mind um another another interesting tidbit i thought that i found was when they were interviewing garrett cole who was on the COVID il i guess he must have tested negative um to be there on thursday with the team but he was just saying like they don't have the same access to, to the technology that they have in most MLB stadiums. So he said it was kind of just like they're playing a really pure baseball game out of the out in the middle of Iowa. Um, so and that's what it felt like. The MLB did a great job. Like I said, um, they have to keep doing stuff like this. Really cool ideas, kind of like the NHL playing the Lake Tahoe game or how they do the stadium series every year just to draw eyes to regular season baseball games because the playoffs always get views. People watch the playoffs. Um, but the regular season, many people complain about it dragging and, and whatnot. So I think they have to keep doing cool and unique games like this. And 
I think MLB tweeted out like where where should we go next? And I was kind of thinking they should do like a Sandlot game to honor the movie Sandlot because that's personally my favorite baseball movie. I don't think they could have it exactly where the Sandlot took place for the movie, but go. I don't know. How, I don't know how they'd work it, but give it like a Sandlot feel, um, and I think that would be a great idea. But I do believe I think it's confirmed that they're coming back next year for the Field of Dreams game, which is going to be awesome as well i'm looking forward to that if i had to guess who it would be i i I would think like cubs cardinals because that's they tend to do that um for unique games cubs cardinals is a great classic rivalry and would love most people would love watching that as well but for the game itself um andrew heaney got the start for the yankees and he kind of picked up where he left off and that would be struggling considerably he entered the game with a 5-4-5. Um, he, I would say he did enter this game like he uh, coming off a solid ending to Saturday's start against Seattle. Um, and he did a good job getting the first two batters out pretty easily. Um, Tim Anderson and Cesar Hernandez, two quality hitters. Uh, but then he gave, out a, gave up a two-out, 0-2-count home run to Jose Abreu, and that kind of just opened the floodgates for him and his start. Um, but I will say... The Yankees, it was, so it was one nothing. Then the Yankees came back, and Aaron Judge, they were facing Lance Lynn, who's probably their best pitcher. He's got a 2-0-4 ERA. Um, he was an all-star this season as well, um, alongside Carlos Rodon. Carlos Rodon was supposed to start this game. He had a 2-3-8 ERA. Some consider him their ace. Um, he hit the IL on Wednesday with a shoulder injury, so it was Lynn that was replacing him. Still a tough challenge for the Yankees, no doubt. Um, he, you know, Lynn got out of the first two innings pretty unscathed. The, the Yankees offense didn't do much. Um, but then in the top of the third, Judge took a 94 mile an hour fastball the other way for a three run homer. Great piece of hitting from Judge. Just so much raw power. Um, and, you know, you would expect that from the, the monster human being that Aaron Judge is. He's a massive person. Um, so great piece of hitting for them in the top of the third. Of course, Heaney couldn't um, replicate that or replicate. Um, the second inning that he had, a pretty uneventful second inning. Tim Anderson had an RBI double in the third, making it 3-2. Then Adam Engel, wa- um, sorry, no, no, that, that scored Adam Engel, who had walked. And then Heaney, um, he walks another batter. And then Eloy Jimenez hits an opposite field home run. Absolute bomb to make it 5-3. Eloy Jimenez, by the way, just came back for the White Sox. is a huge bat for them. Picked him up on my fantasy team can't believe he was on waivers. Someone had dropped him earlier in the season because he was out with like a strained pectoral muscle or something. He actually injured that. They were saying on the Yes broadcast in spring training when he was leaping with his left hand to rob a, a home run. Like the way his arm got caught, like he slammed up against the wall and then his arm um, like got caught behind the wall, straining his pec. Um, that has to be pretty painful injury. So he's been out for a while. Um, he just returned a week or so ago. And yeah, he hit that bomb off Heaney. And honestly, like, I just don't think Heaney is that great of a pitcher. I know I was saying last weekend he might get moved to the bullpen um, if we make the playoffs. And I, I don't know. I mean, he, he see, at least in the last two, in his first three starts, and especially this start in the Field of Dreams game, he gets behind in every count. He's forced to throw hittable pitches over the plate because he's constantly behind 1-0, 2-0. And, you know, I, I didn't really pitch much growing up, but I always remember um, 
coaches getting on the pitchers to get ahead in counts. It makes such a big difference getting ahead in counts when you're in command and it just opens up so much more, so many more pitches that you can throw. You can open up that off speed. Um, Heaney gets behind the counts and he's got to throw that fastball and it's, he's so hittable. His fastball, like I said earlier or last week, it's lower 90s. It's flat, super easy to hit against for righties. Um, and it seems super easy to pick up. Um, and then in the bottom of the fourth, so the next inning, Zebi Zavala, the, the catcher who's filling in for Yasmani Grandal, who's been injured, hit an opposite field home run um to make it 7-3 and that kind of felt like the game was over and you know everyone was kind of wondering why Heaney was still in the game when he was getting shelled and hit around so well Well, it's just because the Yankees bullpen had been taxed so much uh playing their 17th game in 17 days he kind of needed to be out there and just eat the innings unfortunately for the Yankees um so he was poor um and Andrew Heaney, since joining the Yankees, has given up 15 runs on 15 hits and 15 innings pitched. And on top of that, he's given up eight home runs. So, yeah, he's been pretty unimpressive, and he's definitely going to be someone that gets moved out of the lineup or moved out of the rotation when some of these guys like Kluber, um, Cole, Montgomery come back. And maybe they'll move him into the bullpen, or maybe he just kind of doesn't play much, especially when they expand the rosters to 40 men coming up here pretty soon in September. Um, I don't know. He hasn't, I don't think he's officially been scheduled for any starts so far this, this week, this coming week, but I would be shocked if he does, to be honest. Um, so yeah, it was seven, three going into the ninth. Uh, yeah, the ninth, nothing really, nothing really happened except Lance Lynn did get in a jam. Um, he get he, in, in the sixth, he had two on with no outs, but they bring in Michael Kopech. Um, and he get he got out of that jam unscathed. He was throwing gas, um, and I believe it was Liam Hendricks saying that they're going to move him eventually to the starting rotation. the The White Sox just have so many freaking arms that are gonna that young arms that are going to be you know that throw near a hundred or if not one hundred that are going to be the faces of their rotation, the faces of their franchise moving forward. The White Sox are good now, and they have an even brighter future. So very impressive. Even if Kopech did lose his head a little bit in the seventh inning there, um, had that strike call that didn't get, it, it was a strike, but it didn't get called. And he's kind of barking at the umpire. I just thought that was a little bit of a bad look, especially for a really young pitcher. Like, you know, just calm down a little bit and, you know, you're not going to get every call, but he, he came back. It was three, two after that. And he threw ball four and, you know, Hey, throw another strike out, throw, throw a strike in the next pitch, but he didn't. Um, and then he got pulled, but Score remained 7-3 into the ninth, and the Yankees scored four runs with two outs. It was so hype. Judge hit that two-run bomb. It was the second of the game, and his 25th on the season off Liam Hendricks. Then I couldn't believe it because Stanton kind of had been pretty poor this week. Followed that up with his own two-run shot off that slider that caught too much of the plate um, from Liam Hendricks. And um, Judge's was way gone. Stanton's like could have been caught by the left fielder, I believe, Jimenez. Um, it was kind of hard to tell, like, with the corn, excuse me, it was kind of hard to tell with like the corn and the fence, like where, where the corn stopped, where the fence stopped, but it was gone. Um, when they showed the replay, it was Jimenez could have almost caught that. So that gave the Yankees the lead. Um, I believe it was like eight, seven heading into the ninth. And this is really when the Yankees bullpen struggles, um, started the, but the bullpen had been really, really solid all throughout this game. And for the, well, actually no, not on Tuesday, but for the most part for this week, and Zach Britton came in in the ninth, got only got one out. So he walked a guy, 
Um, and then as you all have probably seen, Tim Anderson, great player, face of the White Sox franchise, in my opinion, won, won a batting title in 2019, hit that opposite field two run bomb to win the game, and the Yankees blew yet another save. Um, tough, heartbreaking loss for the Yankees. Um, one that they really could have had, especially with the rally and the resiliency that they showed in the ninth inning. Um, unfortunately, Britain did end up blowing the game. Um, there's no really other way to put it. Um, but overall, it was still a great night. It was a super exciting event that the MLB put on. And I can't wait to watch the Field of Dreams game next year, even if the Yankees aren't playing. Um, just a great, great night, even if the Yankees did end up losing. Um, still a fun game to watch. And that led the Yankees into, so they had Friday off or yeah, yeah, it was Friday. They had Friday off. Um, it was their first off day in like 17 days. So a much needed off day. And apparently on Friday, um, Boone and Britain had a meeting where Britain basically told Boone, yeah, I, he, that he doesn't deserve to be the closer anymore. Um, which I thought was interesting. Um, he seems to be struggling from a severe lack of confidence and Boone came out and said that, you know, they're going to work to get him back into his groove. It's not going to be in the closing role, closer's role, and that Green and Loisaga will start getting save opportunities moving forward. Um, so interestingly, I mean, I, I think Loisaga should be the closer. I think he has the best stuff coming out of the bullpen. But it's kind of interesting just seeing the Yankees struggle without Chapman, who's on the IL with that shoulder injury. Most Yankee fans always complain about Chapman and how He's not reliable, and he always seems to. He, it feels like he blows a lot of saves, but the stats don't back that up. He actually, he's a very good closer. Um, but like I said last week, he's just associated with so many bad memories, um, like the Altuve walk off, um, and just struggles in the postseason that the Yankees are kind of scarred. I feel like Yankee fans are kind of scarred by Chapman. Um, but whether what whatever, um, you know, it is what it is. Jamison Tyone got the start for the Yankees in this Friday, no, Saturday evening contest. He entered the game with a 3.82 ERA, and his ERA is in the one since July, so that ERA is a little bit misleading. Um, he had a great start. Actually, no, I, would, I wouldn't qualify it as great. I take that back. He had a solid start. Um, he went five innings, seven hits, three runs, three earned runs, um, a walk, and four strikeouts. He gave up a home run as well. He didn't. He definitely didn't have his A stuff. Um, the The White Sox were hitting him pretty hard, and they were hitting a lot of balls to the warning track. Those big guys in the middle of the order, like Jimenez and Abreu, Robert, were hitting the ball hard. Uh, but he 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 was able to you know get out of his his outing with only three earned runs, and he kept the Yankees in a position to win the game. And that's like I said, I say it all the time. That's all you can ask for. Um, so he 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 did what he. He did what he had to do. Um, so another solid outing from Tyone, who, interestingly enough, was like one of our worst pitchers for the first three months or so of the season. He's really come on over the past two. Um, and I, I think I said it last week. I've just been very impressed with him. And Dylan Cease got the start for the White Sox. He entered with a 3.99 ERA for Chicago. He threw, he threw hard. He, he was getting his fastball up there. I think he reached 99 miles an hour. Um, and then he mixed in like a 79-mile-an-hour, 80-mile-an-hour changeup, which was pretty filthy. But the Yankees were able to jump on him early. Judge hit a sack fly, scoring DJ LeMahieu, DJ LeMahieu um, who had a leadoff double to make it 1-0 in the top of the first. Joey Gallo homered, 
barely getting over the right field fence to make it 2 nothing Yankees in the top of the first. Tyone um, came out in the bottom of the first, and um, Tim Anderson singled and then scored off an Eloy Jimenez ground out to make it 2-1. Um, Luis Robert in the bottom of the second hit a freaking tank dead center. That ball got out of there pretty fast. That tied it up at 2-2. And I wrote down that Tyone, is, like I said earlier, he was getting hit pretty hard by the White Sox lineup. Um, Yankees came back in the top of the third. Um, Judge had an RBI double with two strikes and two outs to score Gardner, who had tripled earlier in the inning to make it 3-2 Yankees. I thought those were two really nice at-bats, um, if anyone remembers, from Gardner and Judge to really sit back on those breaking balls and drive the ball the other way. I know it's really hard, especially if you're a power hitter and there's so many guys out there in the bigs today that just constant pull guys. And you, you see it like Gallo and other players where they just have that major shift um, to, to pull. And, you know, you know it's, it's great to see guys, especially Judge, who's definitely a power hitter, um, to just drive the ball the other way and not, not try to do too much. I was really impressed by the, that at-bat by him. And that made it 3-2 Yanks. But, unfortunately, Tyone was, wasn't able to, um, I guess, keep the Yankees in the lead because um, Eloy Jimenez, who crushed a ball uh, out to the warning track, he thought it was gone. He kind of pimped it. Um, it was a warning track shot caught by Gardner, but Cesar Hernandez scored from third, and that made it 3-3. That was that crazy catch by Gardner. Um, he he covered a lot of ground from center to catch that ball in left center. If, if that ball dropped, and I don't think, like, if Judge is playing center field in that situation, I don't think he catches that. But Gardner has that speed, um, and he was able to make that big, big catch to keep it at 3-3. Um, so very impressive catch by Gardner there. Um, the Yankees, or sorry, uh, Tyone got through the fourth and fifth pretty unscathed, but, uh, then he gave up a leadoff single to Jimenez in the sixth and he was pulled. So like I said, he got through five innings and I, I, I gave his line earlier. Um, so good night from him overall. Um, and then likewise for Dylan Cease, he kind of settled down after the Yankees, uh, made it three, two in the third. And the Yankees really didn't get much off of him for the rest of the game. So he also went five innings pitched, four hits, three earned runs, three, um, or sorry, three runs, three earned runs, zero walks, impressive, and six strikeouts. And he gave up one home run. Um, in terms of, so the Yankees got out of that sixth inning pretty unscathed. I don't, I, um, Lucas Litke came in and um, gave up a single to Moncada, um, got a guy out, and then. Loisaga came in with one out in that inning, got out of the jam with an, a 5-2, so a little dribbler to third through uh, Ordoro goes home, gets the out, and then Collins hit a bomb to the warning track again. That seemed to be a theme from that lineup in the Saturday game, but caught by Gardner in center. And I forgot to mention um, in the top of the sixth, that, was all, that happened in the bottom of the sixth, but in the top of the sixth, the White Sox brought in Garrett Crochet. He's a 22-year-old left-handed pitcher, who has some nasty stuff. He's only, well, obviously, like I said, he's only 22, but he projects to be an ace in the rotation moving forward. So another guy like um, Michael Kopech for the White Sox. He throws upper 90s, can hit 100, um, but he's currently used out of the bullpen. Interestingly enough, he did not spend a single game, not a single game in the minor leagues. He went straight to the bigs. He was a high first-round pick in... It was either 2020 or 2019, I believe 2020, 
from the University of Tennessee. So just thought I'd mention him. He was pretty impressive. Yankees looked lost against him. And the game stayed 3-3 through the mid to late innings until the ninth inning. No, sorry, the eighth inning when the the White Sox, I'm used to Craig Kimbrell pitching in the eighth. Um, Kimbrell came in for the eighth. Judge hit that home run, dead center bomb, got out of the stadium in like two seconds. Um, So the Yankees had the lead, and White Sox didn't do anything in the eighth. Yankees had the opportunity to score with second and third in the top of the ninth, but they did not take advantage. I believe it was Gardner that got out in that situation, Um, and I'm sure you've all have seen it. Chad Green comes in to close the ninth, and with two outs and two strikes, um, and it was a full count, Jose Abreu takes a curveball to left center and hits it out to make it 4-4 in a tie game. Another blown save for the Yankees. Super disappointing. So that sent it to extras. Uh, Green was able to get the next batter out, but it did go to the 10th where Judge had a little bloop single over the shortstop to score the run. Aaron Judge seemed to be the only guy trying to win this game. He was he single-handedly carried the Yankees um, in this game. Yeah, he, he, he uh, had an RBI single off Liam Hendricks, who the Yankees seemed to own Liam Hendricks uh, coming off the Field of Dreams game in the ninth where he blew it, and then this game in the 10th. Um, and then Joey Gallo followed up that Aaron Judge home uh, single with a bomb. Homer, second home run of the game to make it 7-4 to uh, right field bomb. And of course, the Yankees could not make it easy in the bottom of the 10th. Uh, Britton came in, didn't get out, didn't wasn't able to close out the game. Um, it was kind of interesting like how he Boone gave him a save. I know we were running out of arms in the bullpen, but Boone gave him a save opportunity like the day after Zach Britton said, I don't want to be the closer anymore. Um, so kind of a tough position for Britton, who seems to be struggling with confidence. Um, whatever. Brought in Albert Abreu with the bases loaded and one out. And he got Zavala to line out and then Tim Anderson to ground out. Uh, and that was a really clutch performance from the rookie. Um, I was impressed. And he, he his first pitch, he spiked it. And Higashioka had a great backhand pick to save a run. And I think that kind of, if that ball had gotten passed and the White Sox had made it 7-6, um, like it would have been a one-run game. That... That could have messed with his confidence. Who knows? Maybe the White Sox win that game, but that wasn't the case. Um, so shout out to Abreu for coming in. That would have been a that would have been a devastating loss. So that was that was a very big win for the Yankees and a, a great job by Abreu to close it out. The offense did everything it could to win the game, and the bullpen was really stellar until Green blew it in the ninth. But teams showed resiliency, something they didn't have early in the season by scoring three runs in the tenth. Um, and Abreu came in clutch with the save. So. Great for the Yankees to come out, got come out on top um, with the win in that game, heading into today's today's game on Sunday, the closeout game, the rubber match, um, where you really want to get another series win. And the Yankees were able to do just that um, today, picking up a five three win against the White Sox to win the series. Um, some notes from before the game: Gary Sanchez played today in Somerset. Um, and is expected to be activated for Tuesday's big doubleheader against Boston, so look forward to that. Chapman still progressing. He's throwing on flat ground right now. Um, Garrett Cole is starting tomorrow's makeup game against the Angels, so he is making his return off the COVID IL. Maybe some good rest, um, like I said last week. Maybe some secret good rest for Cole. And then Luis Heal and Jordan Montgomery are the likely starters for Tuesday's doubleheader matchup against Boston. 
So I'm excited to see Luis Hill get another start because we didn't see him pitch this week. And I'm excited to see Jordan Montgomery coming off that COVID IL because he had been doing super well. Um, you know, see if he can continue that. Nestor Cortez got the start for the Yankees today. He he entered the game with a 2.7 ERA, which is pretty damn good. I'm not going to lie. He, he's gotten a lot of run. He's pitched a lot for the Yankees this year. So that's not like that ERA is, you know, only a couple games. There's a pretty good sample size here now for Cortez. Um, and it was really another excellent outing for him. You know, his stuff doesn't really like wow you. Um, he, he, you know, he hits like 93, tops out at 93 for his fastball, but he mostly sits around upper 80s, low 90s. Um, and his off-speed isn't necessarily nasty. He just creates weak contact due to that slow velocity and just solid off-speed. He, he does a great job of really messing with batter's timing when he does different wind-ups and hesitates and throws from different arm slots because he knows his stuff isn't amazing, so he's got to do stuff like that. And I find it pretty impressive. Really didn't have any trouble today against this White Sox lineup. They didn't hit much many balls very hard um he got out of a couple mini jams but there were never any instances where it felt like he was in huge danger um so i was really impressed by him the only blemish on his record today was that andrew vaughn um solo home run in the sixth Um, but overall amazing out outing from cortez six innings seven hits one run it, it was earned um one walk seven strikeouts and that home run that he gave up so like he's not he's not going to be a starter for much longer. He's had to fill in here recently with Montgomery, Cole, Herman all injured. Um, but I think he has presented himself as a huge long relief guy, um, something that would be massive for the Yankees if they make the playoffs. Because you know how it is in the playoffs. If your starter has a bad start and he has to get pulled because you know in the playoffs they're pulling guys early. They're not letting him run like they did um, Heaney on Thursday night. Um, they're pulling him early, second inning, first inning, whatever it takes to win the game. Cortez is going to be that guy that if the Yankees are in the playoffs and the starter has a bad start, that they're going to throw him in there and hopefully he can give you five innings. I mean, shit, he threw six innings tonight. That's crazy. Um, that was a, it was his career high for innings pitch and um, pitches thrown. So I was really impressed by him. Um, really left the Yankees in a great position to win the game, obviously, and Lucas Giolito, um, three three eight one ERA pitch for Chicago today. He struggled early with his command, and that was pretty evident early, especially with that um, Gardner who had a really long at bat, a double digit pitch at bat that ended in a walk. Um, I thought the Yankees hitters did a really great job of laying off pitches that maybe you know earlier in the season or um, just with guys like Judge and Stanton and Gallo maybe normally go for those pitches, but today they didn't. Um, Odor hit a two-run bomb, which scored Voight, who singled in the top of the second to make it 2-0. Um, and, sh- you know, shout-out Rudin Odor. He has been a huge addition for this Yankees team um, this season, filling in at second, third, wherever he needs to play. Um, great utility player from Texas. The Yankees got him. And it's even better that Texas is playing most of his salary, paying most of his salary. So, yeah, he's been a big addition. Another lefty bat to break up those righties. Um, I really like Odor. He has like 18 home runs this year, which is, I think he, he might, I could be wrong. He might have more home runs than, no, sorry. He doesn't have 18. He has like 13 home runs, 13 or 14. He's close to Stanton. Stanton has 18 home runs. Um, so Odor has been very impressive. Then DJ LeMayhew in the same inning, I think, singled, um, 
and that scored Gardner from, or sorry, yeah, DJ singled and then Gardner doubled and there was an error which scored DJ, making it three nothing Yankees top two. And Giolito was at 61 pitches through two innings. So the Yankees did a great job of making him throw pitches. Unfortunately, he did settle down in the third and fourth, um, but his pitch count did get up there, so he was only able to pitch four innings. So he went four innings, six hits, three runs, two of them earned, three walks, eight strikeouts, um, and a homer. And he threw 101 pitches in uh, in four innings. So he threw 101 pitches to get 12 outs. Unfortunately, the Yankees really weren't able to do much against the, the bullpen guys that Chicago pitched. Um, Ryan Tapera got some run, Ruiz, um, and not, not much happened in this game. It was 3-1 for quite a while until Luke Voigt hit that home, like turned out to be huge uh, home run to make it 5-1 in the top of the ninth, scoring two runs, or yeah, two run shot. Um, so that gave the Yankees bullpen, which you would have thought was some breathing room, but of course this Yankee team couldn't make it easy. And in the bottom of the ninth, they brought on Licky to, I guess it, it's not a closing, a closer situation, whatever. Um, Licky wasn't able to get out of the ninth unscathed. Um, the White Sox scored a run off him, and then they brought in Wandy Peralta, which was kind of interesting because Chad Green was still available, but I guess Green and Britain were like not not non-ghost today because they're struggling for confidence or whatever it may be. So they brought on Wandy Peralta, and they got out of it, but it was nerve-wracking. They had that double play to end the game, um, and that means the Yankees have won 10 of their last 11 series. So very impressive Great to win, uh, take two or three um, in Chicago, uh, a White Sox team that is one of the best teams in the American League. They have a potent lineup. They have a lot of great pitching. Um, great to win two or three against a really good team. Um, and I was impressed overall with the lineup. Got on pitching pretty early. Would have loved to win that Thursday game. The Yankees were in every position to win that Thursday game. And a sweep against the White Sox would have been nice. But we'll take the series win. That also means that the Yankees win the the season series against the White Sox because we swept them back in, I think it was May, in the Bronx. Um, so yeah, great series. And I, I can go back now um, to the Kansas City series that happened um, earlier in the week. And by now, with it being Sunday, I bet a lot of Yankee fans or baseball fans have forgotten how crazy that uh, Monday game was against the Royals. Um, but prior to the game, just some notes, Glaber Torres hit the injured list with that sprained left thumb that he injured with that awkward slide on the, in the Sunday game against Seattle. Doesn't surprise me because he seemed pretty injured actually after that slide. He wasn't the same. Sucks to lose yet another key player, especially as he was just heating up for the team too. But it is what it is. Velasquez had to fill in for him or Tyler Wade's going to get a lot more playing time um, throughout August they're saying he, he won't be back until like late August or early September which sucks um, Gio Urshela was supposed to be back with the Yankees on Wednesday but he had a setback while running and fielding grounders so he's back in New York and w he wasn't with the team this week um, which is un unfortunate because the Yankees need him back too and we need our we need you know it's, it's the it's the stretch run and we need our main guys playing but um, yeah they're out right now a lot of guys are out. It's like an all-star team of guys that are on the injured list right now. Um, and just another note I had is the Yankees started the week 
6.5 games back in the division and 2.5 games back in the wild card. Um, so just remember that because I'll kind of recap the standings and where we stand right now um, coming up. But Tyone got the start for the Yankees on Monday night. He was on his, he had his A stuff working. His fastball was working really well. His off-speed pitch, off-speed pitches were working really well, especially that slider. Um, he got out of the first and second. He, sorry, no, he got out of a first and second um, three-one count jam in the third. Um, other than that, not really. No, no uh, difficult spots that he was put in. He was outstanding. I thought another excellent start for him. He went six innings, four hits, one run, zero earned runs, two walks, and four strikeouts. So I think I mentioned his ERA was like a 3-8 or something heading into the, into Saturday's game. Well, on June 29th, so not even two months ago, his ERA was a 5-4-3, and now it's a 3-8-2. He's had a 1.25 ERA since July 1st. That is the best in the bigs amongst pitchers with 30 innings pitched. So basically any pitchers with a real sample size, he has the best ERA since July um, and like I said, he's been, he was our worst starter, and now he's one of our better starters. So I have been really impressed with his turnaround this season. Um, Carlos Hernandez got the start. He had a 4-4-3 ERA. He was pitching for Kansas City, uh, and the Yankees didn't weren't able to get much going against him, which was interesting. Uh, I, I, I wrote in my notes that this lineup feels and is a lot different with all of these injuries and COVID, mis, uh, COVID outages with... I guess this this was the second game without Rizzo and the first game without Glaber. So we were seeing guys like Velasquez um, and Tyler Wade get a lot more playing time, and the lineup just isn't as potent with those guys. Now Tyler Wade and ended up div, ended up having a very good week. He does a lot of things really well. He bunts. He he fields the ball well. He, he's got speed. He just plays the game. He's good at a lot of things, and I think he he can have some value for the Yankees down the stretch run. Um, I don't know if I see him like in the Yankees' long-term plans, but I think he could get some solid playing time for any MLB team out there. Um, but Carlos Hernandez, yeah, he he was great. I mean, I guess there's no other way to put it. The Yankees weren't really able to do much against him. There were zero runs for both teams through six, and then that's when things got crazy. So Hernandez's line, he went 6.2 innings pitched, five hits, one run, uh, one earned run, three strikeouts, and a walk. Luke Voigt had a two-out RBI single um, in the seventh. Um, That was after Judge was called out at the plate on a questionable replay decision that prevented the Yankees from scoring their first run. Like, if you go back and look at that replay, he looks safe. So... I don't know. It was a little interesting, and I think it was one. It was an ESPN reporter. I think it was ESPN that called Judge out. It was a pass ball, and Judge scored from third, but he was called out. And some reporter on Twitter was calling out Judge for his bad secondary lead, and Judge barked back at him or something. And honestly, like he didn't get a good secondary lead in that in that position. I don't know. I don't know, but uh, he was definitely safe, secondary lead or not. But anyway, the Yankees took a lead with that Luke Voigt RBI single. Loisega pitched the seventh for the Yankees after Tyone gave up a hit to the leadoff man. He threw away a pickoff attempt. Then he balked, and Casey scored um, off that balk. Boone went crazy and got ejected. That was It's always kind of fun to see people get ejected and yell at umpires. I don't know. And then in the eighth, the Yankees had two on and one out. 
Judge hit a single, and the Yankees took the lead with two outs. Gardner got thrown out on that play. Of course, Casey came back in the bottom of the eighth and tied it up. And then, so it was 2-2 heading into the ninth. Voight hits that opposite field home run. So Voight actually had a pretty solid week filling in for Rizzo. Um, I don't love, like, his huge leg kick. I just, for me at least, obviously it works for him, but for me it would just mess with timing because it's so important to get that front foot down and get all your timing, you know, get ready because if you're, you know, if you're off timing with that, front foot it, it, you just and you can see like he there's a lot of swings where he looks dumb like he it looks like he's swinging for the fences and he just misses it but um yeah anyway void hit that opposite field bomb to make it 3-2 britain <laughs> came into the ninth blew the save gave up a game tying hit in the in the ninth he was one strike away from winning the game so it was 3-3 heading into the 10th and higashioka had a sack fly Gave the Yankees the lead. Gardner then had an RBI single to make it 5-3. Two runs, pretty good for the new, uh, as they're calling it, Manfred rule, where the runner starts on second. Yankees were again one out away from winning the game in the bottom of the ninth, but Clay Holmes gave gave up a game-tying single, making that four blown saves in one game for the Yankees. I believe this is the second time in MLB history that that has happened. So a very back-and-forth game. The Yankees' bullpen struggled mightily, weren't able to close out the Royals. And the Royals have a pesky lineup. They got some guys that can run and get on base. So wasn't too surprised with their resiliency. Then in the 11th, it was like a five-hour game. It was really late at this point. Uh, DJ had an RBI double, made it 6-5. Then Gardner singled up the middle with that booted ball by the shortstop, making it 8-5. Yankees ended up winning the game 8-6. Um, in a five-hour game, that's just one of those games that you really want to win. Um, all that crazy stuff going on. Glad they did. They were able to pick up that win um, on Monday night. Um, always better winning those games than losing those games. And that led the Yankees to their Tuesday night game against Kansas City, a game in which they lost. Um, Cortez, Nestor Cortez, got the start. And like I said, he was great today. He was okay on Tuesday. Um, Salvador Perez hit that two-run homer in the bottom of the first, just a hanging slider. He didn't have his A stuff. He was wild. He couldn't. He wasn't getting ahead in counts. Um, the Royals were making a lot of solid contact off him, but he was able to get through 5.2 innings pitched, so he was able to settle down toward the end of his outing, and he left the Yankees. Most importantly, he left the Yankees in a position to win the game, like I always say. Um... His line, he went 5.2 innings pitch, seven hits, five runs, four of them earned, no walks, five strikeouts, and he gave he did give up two home runs. Um, two of them both being to Salvador Perez. Um, for the Royals, it was Daniel Lynch starting. He had a 6.00 ERA in six games this season. I believe he was one of the Royals' top prospects that they were mentioning on the broadcast. The Yankees didn't really get much going through three innings. Um, they scored off a pass ball in the third, and then Higashioka hit a home run to make it 3-2 Yankees in the bottom of the third. Lynch got pulled after a 4.2 innings pitched, four hits, three runs, three of them earned, four ball or four um, walks and six strikeouts. Um, and the Yankees weren't able to get much going after that, actually. The bullpen for the Royals did a great job shutting the Yankees down. Um the Yankees didn't score again until the game was over. 
Um, it was the Yankees bullpen that really blew this game. Stephen Riddings had his first. I I kept calling him Luke Riddings last week. By the way, his name's actually Stephen Riddings. Um, apparently, he used to be a, a substitute teacher too. I saw that on the internet this week, um, like two years ago or something. He was a substitute teacher, and that that's a whole another topic of minor league compensation, and that's a topic for another day. But pay minor league players. It's an absolute joke. Um, these guys are making like worse than minimum wage to play professional baseball. It's pretty sad, and people wonder why baseball isn't as popular that's that's another reason um but i don't want to get into that right now Stephen Redding apparently he, he got cut by the royals so there's kind of a rumor maybe going on that he was trying to overthrow and try a little bit too hard he gave up a double to hunter dozier in the bottom of the six making it five four um and then in the seventh hansa robertos had a sack bunt and riddings threw it in the dirt scoring michael taylor making it six four um, Taylor's line or Riddings line was 0.2 innings pitched, two hits, two runs, an earned run, zero walks, and zero strikeouts. So definitely not his best night. Um, Royal scored one more in the seventh and another in the eighth to win this game, eight to four. Very disappointing loss for the Yankees, especially because it was so bad defensively. The Yankees made four errors. Um, it's just hard to win when you do that. Against, especially against a scrappy Royals team that's really good at running the bases. Whit Merrifield, um, I think he had a like a, he was like 30 for his last 30 or something in stolen bases, and Higashioka actually did throw him out to end that streak. But I think he's one of the more underrated players in the bigs. It's probably because he plays for Kansas City, but he gets he hits for a high average, hits in the 300s for average, um, and steals a lot of bases. I think he's leading the league in stolen bases this year which is a lost art, and I just don't think it should be. Um, because anytime you can get a guy that can get in, get you in scoring position without like a hit or anything, like he just he can walk and then steal second, and all of a sudden now a hit scores him, I just feel like that there should be a lot more value in that than there is right now. And I know it's because of the long ball, but you, know, you see teams like the Rays, who made it to the World Series last year, who are just good at doing the little things right. Um, I just think it's kind of a lost art that really should not be a lost art. And the Yankees, you're starting to see the Yankees do a lot more of it here recently, and it's part of the reason they're winning so many games. Um, but for this Tuesday night game, the 8-4 loss against Kansas City, the offense didn't show up, only had five hits. Judge, Stanton, Gallo, and Voigt, four of the Yankees' major power bats in that lineup combined for two hits. And you're probably not going to win many games when that happens. Um, I wrote down Gallo needs to start producing. Sure enough, he did. Um especially in this White Sox series. But Stanton, he I, he was my player of the week last week just because he was kind of breaking out of a slump, but kind of got back into it this week. I know he had that clutch home run on Thursday night against the White Sox, but he just hasn't been the same hitter this season. He, he only has 17 home runs. Imagine a season in which Giancarlo Stanton has less than 25 home runs. It's just not the, it's not the same hitter the Yankees traded for um when he was coming off that mvp season in in miami he's a lot less scary of a hitter than he was four years ago it's unfortunate but maybe he can turn it around i don't know um heading into this wednesday game the getaway game it was a day game for the yankees um before the game clay holmes this was by the way the last game um that i need to recap this week um clay holmes hit that covet il prior to the game another tough loss for the yankees to the covet il um i know cole said that the yankees have the yankee strain not or the yankee the yankee variant um he said that in that interview with joe buck and john smoltz 
in the Field of Dreams game broadcast. So many guys have hit the COVID IL. Um, and Holmes has been pretty good coming over from Pittsburgh. So disappointing to lose another bullpen arm. Definitely could have used him um, for the Chicago series as we saw a couple blown saves. But nonetheless, the Yankees had a bullpen game today. And it was a great, just a great bullpen performance from the Yankees. Uh, Lucas Lickie got the start, or I guess you could say he was the opener. He went two innings and gave up a run. And that was, I can't remember exactly how they scored that, not going to lie. Um, and then for the Royals, they started Brady Singer, who has a 5-4-2 ERA. Um, he's 25 years old, went to University of Florida. That's how I remembered him pitching in the College World Series. I think he was on that national championship team. Don't quote me on that. I believe there was a Florida team that won one in there. And I think Pete Alonso might have been on that team too, actually. Um, but he gave up three runs in the first inning. Uh, Voigt hit a single with the bases loaded, which scored DJ and Judge. Then Ordur scored um, to score Gallo. So it was 3-0 in the first. Um, the Royals came back and scored one run off Licky, like I said. And the only other run KC scored in the game was that error from Andrew Velasquez at short, who was filling in for Torres. And that was in the fifth off Jolie Rodriguez to make it 5-2. So... Yeah, Royals' offense was pretty dormant. Uh, DJ had an RBI single in the fourth um, to score Tyler Wade. By the way, Tyler Wade had a nice day, going two for three with a run, an RBI, and a walk. Really like what he brings to that Yankees lineup. Another lefty bat. He can run. Um, he's got a lot of speed on him. Um, so he's a good. He's like a good guy to fill in when there's injuries or you need like a pinch runner or whatever it may be in the playoffs. I really like Tyler Wade. He's one of my favorite players on this team just because he does so many things right. Um, D, uh, Judge scored in the fourth, scoring DJ to make it 5-1. And yeah, then KC scored on that error, and the Yankees ended up winning 5-2. Don't have a ton to really say about this game other than the bullpen. I think there was the, the bullpen had a great game today, and I think it was last week against Baltimore that we had another bullpen game. But both games, the Yankees won, and the bullpen did a great job. Licky. Abreu, Rodriguez, Green, Loisaga did a great job, only giving up two runs total. Only really bad thing from the Yankees in this game was the errors. Three errors again. So there's four in the game the other day and then three today. So there's like seven errors in two games for the Yankees. I don't know if anyone remembers, but that Odor flip to short on that double play in the ninth, like Odor fielded it and he like got rid of it too early or whatever, and the shortstop couldn't get to it, and it was like a tailor-made double play. He did not need to rush it at all. Um, and the, luckily, the Yankees were able to get out of the ninth, but that could have led to the, the Royals coming back and like tying the game or winning the game, but it didn't. So doesn't matter. Great series win. At that time, it was 9 of 10. Uh, last 9 of 10 series were wins. 21-10 um, and 10 record since the deadline, or since July 6th, sorry, which is the second best in the bigs behind Tampa. 10 of 13 since the trade deadline. Um, and that was a huge, just a solid, huge series win um, heading into that series against Chicago, which happened today or this weekend. And we, I just covered that as well. So yeah, overall, pretty great beat for the Yankees. Um, they went, I guess it would be four and two because they had that off day in there. Only played six games this week. Four and two, can't complain. Um, started the week, like I said, um, six games, yeah, six and a half games back in the wild card, two and a, or sorry, six and a half games back in the division, and two and a half back in the wild card, 
and the Yankees finished the week five and a half games back in the division, two and a half back in the wild card. So didn't gain any games in the wild card, but did gain them in the division, game one game. Um, they're only one game back of Boston in the in the wild card, or sorry, one game back in the loss column from Boston. Boston's played like four or five more games than the Yankees right now. and So it's loss column that you really need to focus on. Uh, and the Yankees are right there in the race. And they have a huge series against Boston this week. But before that, want to get into the hitters and the hitter and pitcher of the week. And the hitter of the week is none other than Aaron Judge. He hit 416, had three homers, 11 RBIs, and three walks. So not like a an insane statistic week or anything, but he came in clutch in so many situations this week, including that home run at the top of the ninth in the Field of Dreams game that unfortunately we weren't able to win, but still a clutch home run at the time. And then that single on the top of the 10th on Saturday to give the Yankees the lead and extras um, and eventually winning that game. Um, two standout clutch moments from Judge and also three bombs. Um, that home run against... Kimbrell in the top of the eighth was actually also another clutch home run. That ball got out so fast. Judge is like the undeniable leader of this Yankee team. And they really need him on the top of his game down the stretch run. Healthy, most importantly. It's great that he's just on the field right now because he struggles so much with injury. Um, But definitely my hitter of the week. It was nice to see him coming up clutch in so many big situations, which is something, I don't don't know if the statistics back it up, but it's something like, it just feels like Judge before this, or in general, really wasn't a super clutch player. I don't know. It's just come, like that's just freehand. I don't know. That's random. Um, or I don't, that's just what I think or what it feels like. But had a clutch week this week. So shout out to Judge. And then pitcher of the week is a bit of a surprise, maybe, but it's Nestor Cortez Jr. So he went 11, he pitched 11 total, 11.2 total innings, 14 hits, six runs, five of them earned. Only one walk in 11 innings and 12 strikeouts, and he gave up three homers. So coming into today's game, the Sunday game against Chicago, I was going to pick Tyone for his solid start against K, uh, against Chicago and his really good start against KC. But Cortez's outing today pushed him over the line for me. Um, his Tuesday Cortez's Tuesday outing against Kansas City wasn't stellar by any means. But he did leave the team in the in a position to win the game, only giving up three runs uh, or four runs. I can't, I can't remember exactly. But um, it was really the bullpen and the lack of offense that lost the Yankees that game. It was not Cortez. He struggled early with command and was leaving a lot of pitches up, hanging slider to Perez for the homer. But he was able to get through 5.2 innings pitch. So he, he ate some innings for the pen. Um, and let, like I said, left the Yankees in a position to win the game. They didn't take advantage, but still a good overall solid performance from Cortez. And then his performance today against the White Sox was just extraordinary. Um, like I said, he doesn't overpower you, but he just mixes and matches speeds, deliveries, arm arm slots, and he just messes with hitters. That, are, that potent White Sox lineup that was hitting like Tyone and Heaney really, really hard. They weren't able to hit uh, Nestor Cortez hard at all. They were a lot of weak contact, a lot of weak grounders and pop-ups. Fun to watch him. Um, f- really fun to watch him. And he's going to play a huge role for this Yankees team down the stretch. So shout out to Cortez, my pitcher of the week. And 
in terms of games for next week, the next week's upcoming schedule before I get to some other stuff happening around the bigs, um, the Yankees will have one makeup game um, against from a rainout earlier in the season against the Los Angeles Angels on Monday night. Like I said, Cole is starting that game. Three against Boston at home, including a doubleheader on Tuesday, and then four at home against Minnesota. So big week ahead, especially that Boston series, and got to take advantage of that four-game set against Minnesota. Unfortunate to lose the off day um, with that rain delay or rain postponement makeup game, but it is what it is. Um, Yankees need pitching to come up big this week. Offense stay around. They always hit better at home. Um, so let's hope they keep it up. And I really want to win that Boston series because they're struggling right now. They just got, well, I'll mention that later who they got back later, but um, they, yeah, they're, they're struggling. The Yankees got to take advantage of it. They have the opportunity to hop into that wild card position. So why not do it? Um, winning that series against Boston, we struggled against them significantly this year. They got a really good lineup, but like I said, hasn't been as good lately. So maybe the Yankees are a different team now than um, the Red Sox are should see well actually might see Rizzo back this week I don't know if it would be Rizzo if we do see Rizzo back it'll be in the weekend series against Minnesota but um just some couple not not a ton this week but a couple other news and notes from around the league um Tyler Gilbert 27 years old through so he became the first pitcher in 68 years to throw a no-hitter in his first MLB start it wasn't his first appearance in the bigs. It was actually his fourth appearance in the bigs. Um, he, he came out of the bullpen. But he had just got called up, and he no-hit the Padres on Saturday night. Um, he went nine innings pitch, obviously no hits, no runs, only five strikeouts and three walks. So I thought it was pretty impressive for him to throw a no-hitter with only five strikeouts. Um, I guess that means that his stuff wasn't nasty. He was just pitching a contact, and they weren't hit it, hitting it in the right places. Unfortunately for the Padres, this was their last game without Fernando Tatis, who came back from the injured list today. Um, But I'll talk about him a little bit later. All I can say for Gilbert is, I mean, it's all downhill from here. Unless you throw a perfect game, you're not really going to top a no-hitter. This was the MLB's first no-hitter since June 24th, 21, when the Cubs threw a combined no-hitter against the Dodgers. And then before that, it was Kluber um on may 19th against texas that no hitter that he had interestingly enough this was the first no hitter that the that we've seen in the bigs since they cracked down on foreign substances so i don't know maybe maybe tyler gilbert's no hitter carries a little more weight just because we know that he wasn't using any spider tack or or stuff like that because we really know we know for a fact that uh that stuff gives you a huge advantage um, we've seen guys like, I mean, even Cole, who struggled a little bit since, or he had to, I guess, learn how to pitch differently um, since that, that new rule. And then also Tyler Glasnow, I believe it was, was complaining um, about it, and he ended up having to get Tommy John surgery. Um, and So I don't know. But first no-hitter since, since this new substances rule um, this was the eighth no-hitter this season in the bigs, which breaks a modern era record. Um, the other, the previous mark was uh, 2015 when there were seven. And those no-hitters that year were Serger had two of them. Cole Hamels threw one against the Cubs. Chris Heston threw one for San Francisco when he was a rookie. Mike Fryers, Fryers Jake Arrieta, and Iwakuma for the Mariners. 
So I don't know if any of you remember any of those, but I remember the Hamels one. A couple of the Scherzer ones definitely don't remember the Chris Heston one or the Friars one. Arietta, I don't remember. And Iwakuma, I remember watching that game, actually, watching the ending. So this is kind of interesting looking back and seeing which no-hitters you do remember. Uh, most of them go unforgotten. There's been a lot of them. Um, and the eight no-hitters in a single season ties the all-time record. Um, there were eight in 1884. So for what it's worth, there's there's a note. Um, and this doesn't this doesn't include the two seven-inning no-hitters that there were this season, which I... There's a lot of people complaining that those should count as official no-hitters. Like, uh, I don't know. I mean, there's a huge difference between getting a nine-inning no-hitter and a seven-inning no-hitter. There's Think of all the guys that have lost no-hitters in the eighth and ninth innings that have gone through seven with a no-hitter. And I know the game in these situations, like the game that they were playing was a seven-inning doubleheader, and they threw a seven-inning a seven no-hitter in the game. Like to its entirety, I just don't think it should count as an official no hitter, especially because this is only year two of seven inning no seven inning games, and they're apparently going away next year. So, I know it's tough for the two guys. I think I know Bumgarner was one of them that did throw those seven inning no hitters. I I think it's probably fair for the record books to not count them, but that's I guess that would be this week's debate question. Uh, let me know what you think. Should seven-inning no-hitters count in the official MLB record books? Um, I say no. Let me know what you think. Um, and, yeah, I think a lot of the narrative around no-hitters this year is that it's felt like they're becoming more and more common and less and less impressive. And, I mean, yeah, there's no denying it. There's been 313 no-hitters all time, um, so that's a lot. And just for comparison, there have only been 23 perfect games 23 perfect games the last perfect game thrown was felix hernandez in 2012 um 20 so 23 versus 313 huge difference um interestingly enough tristan mckenzie was um five outs away today from throwing a perfect game for cleveland against detroit but uh, detroit had a single with i think it was one out in the in the eighth inning um so yeah, it just shows you how much harder it is to throw a perfect game where it's literally 27 up, 27 down um, versus a no-hitter where theoretically you can give up like five runs, lose the game, and still throw a no-hitter. I remember, um, I think it was Jose Fernandez, rest in peace. He threw a no-hitter in which they were the home team. So he threw the no-hitter in the ninth. It was still 0-0. And the, the Marlins had to come back out and walk the game off. And they did in the bottom of the ninth to win the game. And then they celebrated both the walk-off win and the no-hitter. So uh, it's, yeah, undoubtedly much more impressive to throw a perfect game than a no-hitter. Um, but still, shout-out to Tyler Gilbert for throwing the first one um, since the foreign substances rule and also the first pitcher in 68 years to throw a no-hitter in his first career start couple other notes uh, real quick here. Chris Sale made his first start since 2019 in that 16-2 win against Baltimore on Saturday. Uh, Sale went five innings pitched, six hits, two runs, both of them earned, zero walks and eight strikeouts, and he gave up two home runs. Um, there's a lot of hype from Boston fans um, about his return, and, I mean, there's no denying it. That's a huge boost for a Boston team that has been struggling. And I keep mentioning that they've been struggling uh, – but uh, Chris Sale is a huge jolt to that rotation. 
Um, so big win for him, or big win for Boston, and great to see him. I mean, it's just great to see some of the better pitchers in the, in the league out there um, playing. So I, I think the Yankees normally do pretty well against him, actually. So it'll be interesting to see. He probably won't pitch in the in the midweek series this week, but if we do eventually see him this year, how how the Yankees fare against him. And then the last note, I mentioned it a little bit earlier, but Fernando Tatis did return from the IL on Sunday, um, but he was playing right field because the Padres want to manage the stress on that shoulder, um, that injured shoulder. Um, so they moved him to, from shortstop to outfield. And of course, in his first game back, he hits two home runs because um, it's Fernando Tatis Jr. and he's probably going to win the National League MVP now that DeGrom has been out for so long. Um, and also it's his first game in the in, in professional baseball playing the outfield. So shout out to Tatis, very versatile superstar, the face of the league right now. I, I don't think there's any debating it. Um, him and Acuna are definitely, and Acuna's out for the season. So it's Tatis, the face right now. And he's an exciting player. He, he's fun to watch. So good for the league overall. So I can't complain. But yeah, those are the other main notes I have. I think the big highlights from this week were that no-hitter. I think the biggest highlight was the Field of Dreams game, honestly. I think that overshadows the no-hitter. Um, second no-hitter, and then you know Sale and Tatis coming back from the IL. So yeah, uh, that's all I have for you guys this week. Another pretty solid week for the Yankees, going 4-2, and two, picking up two series wins, making it 10 of 11. Uh, don't quote me on that. Yes, 10 of 11 series wins and um, playing great since the deadline, great since July 6th, I guess the date is. Um, Field of Dreams game was awesome. Can't wait for them to do that again next year. Um, And huge week coming up with that series against Boston and that four-gamer against Minnesota at home. So hopefully the Yankees can keep up this great streak. We'll be back next week with a guest finally. Hopefully my power is restored Um, But I'm going to go to probably a Starbucks or something to upload this podcast for you guys. I hope you all enjoyed. I hope you all have a great week, um, whatever you may be doing. And I'll catch you guys next Sunday for another recap. Peace out.